You're listening to the Ruby on Rails podcast. You're listening to episode 418, and I'm your co-host, Brittany Martin. Andrea Fumera is a senior software developer at Podia who finds enjoyment in updating dependencies and crafting high-quality, robust, and maintainable code. She enjoys sharing what she knows through courses and screencasts, and when not behind a computer, you can find her enjoying the beautiful state of Colorado. Welcome to the show, Andrea. Thank you so much. It has been a long time coming, and I know that you know many people at Remote Ruby, so it's really great to have a chance to bring you on to this show as well. I decided I'm going to branch out and come on your podcast. Wonderful. Well, Andrea, just in case the listeners don't know, what is your developer origin story? Oh, okay. Where do I start? I started being interested in development like a many people my age back with Neopets. It really got me interested in the HTML and CSS. And so I ended up experimenting with PHP and I was trying to make my own like Neopets clone, <laughs> which <laughs> sounds really silly. But and that's actually it's funny because I still do that to this day. Like I'll try and clone something when I'm trying to learn a new thing. Mm-hmm. And then I put it down for a long time and I didn't touch it because I was like, oh, I can't understand this object-oriented PHP. It's not clicking for me. I had so many of these like functional if-else statements with PHP. It was like working. And I was like, okay, well, programming is not for me. And I put it up and that was 2007-ish. So I was in high school (laughs) dating myself now, but that's okay. And then... I put it up for a long time. And then finally, I got a job doing inventory management (laughs) in a small business. And I would have to like look up these serial numbers for equipment. And I was like, is there a way to automate this? And then I picked up programming again. This time, not PHP. I actually picked up Ruby. And yeah, that's kind of how I got my start with that. That is so cool. So I have many questions. First of all, I'm so jealous of the nano pets. I wish I was of that generation that was super into nano pets. I barely miss my space. And to date myself, I graduated from high school in 2003. So like we're in the same realmish area. So I'm picturing myself at your inventory management job and you must have been looking up tutorials in order to what scrape a system. I'm just so curious, like why you ended up choosing Ruby. So, okay, so the software that we had to use for this equipment thing was built in like ASP.net. Oh, yes. And so like the only way to interact with it was like a browser, basically. And so I would use this barcode scanner, scan in these barcodes before I would like send them out to our technicians. And I would track that. And then I was like looking up stuff and I was like, okay, well... I found out I could paste multiple serial numbers and I would comma separate them. And then I was like, okay, well, how do I automate that? Because then it would give me a Excel sheet afterwards with the status. Like I could export a CSV or Excel sheet. And so I was like, I wonder how I can compare these serial numbers from this input list. And so I started looking at that and I was like, I could automate the piece of it with a little bit of JavaScript to paste it in, to search it up. And then I download the file. And then I was like, okay, I got the file with the status. So like, how do I put this and use this? So that was 2014, 2015. I was like trying to figure this out. I had played with Ruby and Rails in 2014, I started, 2013, 2014. And I was like, okay, well, I know Ruby. 
and I have a Linux server. Let me just SSH into it from my work computer and like try and run some Ruby against these two Excel sheets to compare the ones that weren't activated. Because really all I cared about the ones were like, which ones don't show as activated? And so I was like, well, I kind of know Ruby, sort of, but not really. And so, yeah, I, I guess that's kind of where I would start. That is so cool. So, I mean, I envision this job as somewhere where you had the time to be able to experiment like that. And so in the end, Andrea, like you are truly self-taught, correct? Yep, I'm 100% self-taught, which is kind of a scary thing to think about. I think you should be really proud of that. I know there are a lot of people in the Ruby and Rails communities that have gone through boot camps, myself included. I just can't imagine the ambition that it takes to be truly self-taught. And I think we should wear that badge of honor more often. Well, thank you. For two years while I was working at this inventory management and like computer networking job, I kind of expanded into, I was learning on the side. And so I would drive around and drop off this equipment after I would like scan it into the system. And I'd be like watching tutorials while I was driving down the road. <laughs> Cannot recommend that. Please do not do that. And then I would like get home. I would go implement the tutorial that I had listened to or watched or the podcasts. I must have listened to hundreds of podcast hours while I was driving around Alabama and Mississippi. <laughs> and so two years of that, I was like, okay, maybe I'm ready. And I had interviewed a few times at a few different places. I would always get ghosted. They'd be like, we're going to find somebody with more experience, basically, if, if I got a response back. And then finally, a random LinkedIn connection got me my first developer job. And so that was 2016. I got my first developer job. And that was Ruby on Rails, thankfully. The interview was like <laughs> a three-hour technical, here, go in this room and build a Twitter tweet scheduler app. And like, good luck. They left you in a room alone for the interview? They checked in a few times, like while I was doing the technical problem or okay. challenge. And then they like, <laughs> this is a whole other story, but yeah. <laughs> they would check in and see where I was and I would explain and stuff. It wasn't as bad as it maybe sounds. But the worst part was it wasn't my computer. Oh, no. So like none of my stuff was there. And like I didn't have a Mac beforehand, really. And so like I was on a Mac. I was not on my development machine trying to make it work. <laughs> and I was able to make it work. Luckily, they came in and helped me kind of get things going. Like they had Ruby pre-installed and like a couple of gems installed. And I was able to make it work. I threw up Devise. I threw up like all this other stuff. I didn't even use Sidekick at the time. I was using like Sucker Punch. If you've ever heard of that for oh, yeah, I've job. Sucker Punch. Yep, that's great. And I made it work. And then afterwards, I was like, I remember leaving that interview and I was like, I am not getting called back. I did not pass that coding challenge. And I got in my car and I had like an hour drive back home from Birmingham. And I got the call, I think three or four hours later, maybe. And they wanted to offer me the job. And I was like, okay, well, that's cool. When do I start? And they're like, we haven't even told you the salary. And I'm like, when do I start? <laughs> <laughs> what a different world it was, isn't it? <laughs> and then I learned Ruby on the, the job, basically. I had spent two years self-taught, but I wasn't job ready, if that makes sense. <laughs> it just took time. Oh, totally. Well, then tell me about your current work at Podia. I've definitely had Jason Charns on before, but I'd love to hear how the stack has evolved. Yeah. So Podia itself uses a pretty 
basic Rails stack in many ways. The caveat is we do use React when it hurts too much to do something with the basics of Rails. So like stimulus, ERB views, we're big on that now. And the biggest thing that we use differently at Podia is we are heavily into view components. Is that something that you were there whenever you decided to start using those heavily? And has it been so much easier to test the views because of it? Yeah, so I think about two years ago when GitHub first released view components, we saw it and we decided to give it a try. And at first I was like, this is silly. Why wouldn't we just use a partial? But really view components, in my opinion, shine because of the testability. And then it's also really super useful if you have a design system. So design system does Podia use? So technically we're backed on Bootstrap 4, but then our designer heavily customized a lot of the CSS. That's the short story. (laughs) (laughs) And then we try and wrap up a lot of the like JavaScript things. Like we have a sorting library inside of our like design system. And we iteratively, over the course of about two years, we went from Bootstrap 3, Hamel views, and kind of a mess on the front end to basically rewriting our entire front end using ERB view components and Bootstrap 4. That's awesome. I can't imagine what an undertaking that must have been. And correct me if I'm wrong, Andrea, you work on the front end, the back end, and you do some ops work, right? Yeah, I technically am full stack. I mean, generally everybody at Podia is kind of all over the place. I definitely lean heavy into the back ends and ops side when there is stuff, even though we're very small, we're hosted on Heroku. So there's not too much ops. <laughs> I don't know. After this last couple of weeks with Heroku, I feel like there has been some ops. But yes, I, I will agree with you. Okay. I'm trying not to think about that. <laughs> <laughs> well, that it's, is a <laughs> that is fair. It's really scarred me. Oh, I get it. <laughs> Most of you probably know our newest sponsor, AppSignal, because they've been around since 2013. With AppSignal, you can monitor your Ruby apps from A to Z, error tracking, performance insights, server metrics, uptime, and custom dashboards. You name it, they have it. AppSignal works smoothly out of the box. Installation takes only a few minutes and works for all popular Ruby frameworks. It automatically instruments and creates beautiful dashboards for Sidekick, Active Jobs, and other integrations. Visit appsignal.com slash ROR podcast for more information. As a listener of the Ruby on Rails podcast, you get a 10% discount and a box of sweet treats. That's appsignal.com slash ROR podcast. And I will link that all up in the show notes. And if you're listening to this while at RailsConf 2022, which you might be because this episode is launching on day two, don't forget to stop by the AppSignal relaxation station for a massage. So Andrea, what I want to spend the rest of the episode doing is talking about RailsConf. I know we've had a lot of episodes leading up to RailsConf, but as I just mentioned, this episode will actually land on day two during RailsConf, which is Wednesday. And I am so curious, you know, we're putting ourselves in the shoes of being on day two and you're giving a talk that day. So if you want to tell us all about that, that would be fabulous. Thank you. So my talk is titled Upgrading Rails. Everyone can do it and here's how. And this is a talk I've been thinking about for 
I think four years since like 2018, I have a tweet about it in my talk and I'm super excited to give it. It's basically going to be an introduction into three ways that somebody can upgrade their application, some things to consider, and then we'll dive into dual booting more. Talk about how you would install a dual booting and how you can use the process and pros and cons of it. So yeah, I'm really excited for it. I'm really nervous. <laughs> it's also my first like... RailsConf or RubyConf talk. So, well, to be fair, I have seen the talk at Sin City Ruby. So I feel like I've gotten a little bit of a preview. But that being said, I believe the timing at Sin City was shorter. So I'm curious, and I've had to do this before, but how do you go about taking a talk that you've already given before to a smaller audience and really getting it prepped for a bigger one? I didn't really touch too much. There's a few jokes and things that I had to work out, like things just didn't flow right at Sin City Ruby in a few spots. So I went back and I like tweaked some of that. But for the most part, it's just an improved version of what which talk you've seen. I would be interested to see what the thoughts are if anybody who went to Sin City came and watched the talk and see if which one was better, if that makes sense. Totally. And I actually have the benefit of I've gotten to see your talk grow up, which I think is exactly the way that you should do it. So you gave this talk in a much shortened version at WNB.RB, then you went to Sin City Ruby, and now you're giving it at RailsConf. So it's really cool to see this talk evolve as you've learned more and like filled it out with more content. I think this is the way that we can get more people to feel comfortable giving talks because you're starting at a smaller stage and working your way up. I 100% agree. I don't think, had I not given it at WNBRB, which is a meetup for women and non-binary Rubyists, I don't think I would have done a CFP for RailsConf. I have wanted to give a talk at RailsConf for years or RubyConf. Like it's a career achievement for me, in my opinion, on my like list of things. But I don't think I would have had the feeling that I could have given a talk without doing it on those smaller stages. So I wholeheartedly agree that people, if they're interested, should definitely give it to smaller groups. There's tons of meetups who I'm sure would love to have more talks. Absolutely. Now remind me, I'm guessing that you probably went to RubyConf last year. Have you been to RailsConf before? Yes. So I went to RailsConf 2019 in Minneapolis, I believe. I missed that one, but I think you're correct. And then before that, my first conference was RubyConf 2017 in New Orleans. Well, we just miss each other. So luckily we got to meet at Sin City Ruby, but I feel like I went to the opposite conference track as you did those couple of years. <laughs> How does it happen? Did we meet at Southeast Ruby before? I feel like we met in person before a long, long time ago. It is totally possible. I used to tour around to a lot of the conferences. One of my favorite was RailsConf in Pittsburgh, but granted, I live in Pittsburgh and kind of liked the fact that it was that convenient. But there is some magic to getting to travel somewhere and getting to enjoy the area, which I'm curious, speaking of traveling, have you been to Portland before? I have not been to Portland. I am super excited to go. I have not been further west than Las Vegas, so I'm super excited to go further west. (laughs) (laughs) Do you have any goals for while you're in Portland? Honestly, I just want to eat some good food. I am like hell bent on getting a really good donut. And I've said this over a couple episodes. The thing is to go to Voodoo Donut, but that's the trite thing to do. If you're a cool local, there's apparently better spots. And I am absolutely determined to get the best donut in Portland while I'm there. 
I fully support you in this endeavor. Yeah, I will endorse you on this quest for the best donut. Wonderful. And to partner with that, I am excited for the RailsConf 5K. I know that's usually a grassroots thing that happens and it seems like it's going to get put together. I'm not involved at all, but I definitely want to run it because I just really enjoy getting up early and running with some Rubius. It can be a good time. A lot of people groan and, and gripe. And some people are really, really fast, but I enjoy the kind of grass movement stuff that happens around a RailsConf. Honestly, the community is one of the best parts of going to these conferences. So while I won't actually run in the the 5K or walk, I fully support that too. (laughs) Awesome. I agree with you, Andrea. I'm not normally the person who's like, I'm here for the hallway track. Like I'm usually there for the talks, but in some ways... I think this one's going to be different for me. I'm really excited about that hallway because I feel like I've gotten so much more comfortable with the overall community. And there are so many people I still haven't met who I've been talking to during this entire pandemic that I get to meet in person for the first time. And so it's going to be really hard for me to like remember to like go to talks. But I know it's not the same if you don't get to experience the talks firsthand. I think the recordings are great, but there's something about being in that big keynote room that is just really magical. Remind me, you missed RubyConf last year? I did. Okay, okay. Yeah, so I felt very similar for RubyConf. I was like, oh, I could care less about the talks. I'm here to talk to people. I needed the hallway track in RubyConf. It's interesting because this year I'm like, there are so many good and interesting talks that I'm like, oh, I might actually have to go to these talks, which is super exciting because normally at these conferences, I'm like, oh, I'm here to network and meet people and, and make new friends. I can watch the talks online later. But totally yeah. agreed. Well, let's take a look at day two, because, I mean, if you're listening to this live, the episode just dropped on day two. And uh, Eileen Yushatel will be giving the opening announcements and keynote. Eileen is a fantastic speaker. I'm very excited to hear what she has to say. I am super excited for her talk as well. And then Nick Schroeder, who is, of course, co-host of this podcast, is giving another Ruby archaeology talk at 1030. I am very excited to experience Nick live again speaking. He is one of the most passionate speakers, I think, in the business. And knowing him, it's being incredibly well prepared. And then if you're fancying for the next slot, Mm -hmm. I'm up in the next slot after that. (laughs) Well, it's a magical room, right? Of course you're in that room. (laughs) Yeah, really, 255 is the place to be on Wednesday. Everything in that room, I'm pretty sure, is super interesting. I'm excited for 130 because this is one of my greatest weaknesses. Barrett Clark is giving a workshop on an intro to Tmox and Vim configs. I will admit to you right now, I'm terrible at all that stuff, and I need to give it a try. I am not so far into my career that I can't be saying, hey, maybe I need to change up my workflow. And so this might do me well, like to actually sit in a workshop and be able to take the machine that I'm already comfortable on and to get it configured the way that I need to in order to take advantage of these tools. What do you think, Andrea? So I have dabbled in them and Tmux before, and I highly recommend giving them the shots. Just remember to go easy on yourself because it can take time to learn new things. It's funny because one of my coworkers, Harry, he is heavily into Vim and Tmux. And he actually recommended I use something like called Tmuxinator. What which, a name. 
which is a really interesting name. Yeah. But Tmuxinator, basically, you can use it to set up different windows or panes for your project. So I have a Tmux config that will boot up about five different Tmux windows with all of my stuff to boot up the work application. It'll boot up Rails, it'll boot up Sidekick, Webpacker, the Stripe CLI, <laughs> all these kind of things that you would normally have to open up into different terminal windows. So I've actually recently, over the past like six months, incorporated some Tmux into my workflow. So yeah, I'm a big fan of learning new things into your workflow and changing what works for you. Love it. If you've been considering trying Honey Badger, now is the time. They have two really cool new features I just learned about. They now have status pages and can monitor your SSL certs. Whether US East 1 is down or you forgot to add a configuration file, everyone has an outage from time to time. When your next outage occurs, transparency is critical. The difference between a minor annoyance that people soon forget and a fiasco that creates sustained resentment is in how you communicate. They just shipped an update that can help communicate outages to your customers, public status pages with custom domains and branding. Many certificate authorities, such as Let's Encrypt, will automatically renew your SSL certificates for you. But if you manage your own certificates, you have to remember to renew them yourself. If you forget, your customers won't be able to access your website and Honey Badger will sound the alarm. Honey Badger Uptime Monitoring can now warn you before your SSL certificates expire so that you remember to update them before your customers are affected. Check out honeybadger.io to learn more. And then after that workshop is the Lightning Talks, which a Lightning Talk is a very short presentation delivered by different speakers who are, are chosen during the conference. So you're not going into the conference knowing that you're going to give a Lightning Talk. Though it's a great idea to have a Lightning Talk in mind. I love the fact that they are saving slots for scholarship and diversity picks. I think that's great. I'm really hoping that we see some lightning talks from people who are wannabe speakers and that we end up seeing them speak at RubyConf. Have you ever given a lightning talk at a conference, Andrea? I have not. I have always wanted to, but I've been too scared to. <laughs> I think it is scarier than giving a full conference talk. That is my hot take. Also, it's like you don't go in with your talk prepared, right? And I'm like, apparently, I like to be really prepared. I don't know that I could go and sign up for a lightning talk and then put together a talk that day or the day before. <laughs> I think my tactic to go into a lightning talk, if I were to do one, is to give a lightning talk that has nothing to do with programming. I'm into this really weird hobby. Let me teach you about this really weird hobby. The question is, do I have a weird hobby? <laughs> that would be interesting enough for a lightning talk, but I feel like those are the ones that are the most compelling where they're not trying to teach a programming concept in five minutes. So the people who manage to do that, it's really cool. The lightning talks I like the least are the ones that are trying to sell something, but I like the ones that just have a very concise idea. They kind of pitch you on it. You get the summary, you get the gist, and then they're gone. And I think to be able to hone your skill to like a very concise monologue, I think is a real skill. I agree. So then moving after the lightning talks, we're still in the general track. And then we continue in there. There are so many good talks in the general track there. A lot of them about databases or making mistakes or naming conventions, geolocation, all things that I think are applicable to us as developers. And then I wanted to get your hot take here. So at three o'clock is the job fair. 
And my question for you, Andrea, I am not looking for a job, but I'm curious, can I go to the job fair? My personal opinion is everybody should go to a job fair. And I think it's always helpful to keep your eyes open for new opportunities or just to see what else is out there and see what you can take back to your company, you know, be it benefits or just how a company approaches solving problems. I've had three people reach out to me in the last three weeks. I went into my email to count this, who reached out to me because they were looking for new roles and wanted to see if I could help. And I was able to make that connection to people I knew who were hiring. And so to me, that's almost being a good community member of knowing what opportunities are out there so you can help others even. I completely agree. And oftentimes it's like, when I talk to these people at these job fairs, if I'm not looking right now and somebody else comes to me like you've had, I'll be like, yeah, actually, I talked to this person, the so-and-so at RubyConf. And while I wasn't looking for a job and they didn't want to come work for us, it was a really good conversation. Maybe look there. So that's almost, super useful. I almost need there to be like two tracks within the job fair. You know, like when you go to a concert, okay, and they have a merch table. And there are people in line from the merch table. Like they are committed, Andrea. Like they are going to buy that very overpriced t-shirt. But then sometimes I like to kind of creep near the merch table just so I can see what they have. I want to be there during the job fair. Like I want to be creeping, (laughs) but like I'm not in line. (laughs) There needs to be like a lanyard or something that's like, we're not looking for a job, but we just want to talk. Yeah, Yeah, we just want to talk. Yeah. It's like a party game, you know? <laughs> it is. Or It was funny with RubyConf and the job fair and stuff. It was like, hey, are you looking for a job? And they're like, no, are you looking for a job? <laughs> Everybody was trying to recruit each other. And I'm curious what will happen at RailsConf if the market's still as hot as it was with RubyConf or if it, things have started to cool down some. I'm going to predict that it's worse. Only because it's RailsConf. And to me, RailsConf is usually more enterprise than RubyConf. And so I actually think the hiring needs are going to be higher. But I would be interested to test that theory. I'll be interested to keep an eye out for you on that. Well, get me a lanyard and we'll find out. (laughs) (laughs) And then after that is the happy hour, which I so, so appreciate that, you know, they're going to have alcoholic beverages. I am a non-drinker. And so I love the fact that they called out that they're going to have mocktails because I love me a mocktail. And I will enjoy that wholeheartedly. I totally agree. Yeah, I don't drink either. (laughs) And then it wraps up that night. So from 7 to 11 is board game nights, which to be fair, I'm not a big board game person, but I feel like it could be. So maybe I'll dip my toes in at RailsConf. How about you? I've never done one of the board nights. I think that's the Mike Perham. I think so. Everybody who's ever gone like at RubyConf, Something hysterical always happens and I'm always a little bit jealous that I missed out. So like maybe give it a go this year. I think one year they broke a painting. Yeah, um, that was that was really <laughs> I've heard that rumor. You're right. I want to be in on the joke. So maybe I need the concert T-shirt that says I was there when that painting was broken <laughs> at the Rails Comfort game night. Yeah. I love this. I love this for us, Andrea. <laughs> well, then overall... What is your main goal going to RailsConf aside from speaking? Is there anything that's going to happen there that you're like, yes, I was successful in this conference? Or is it really just giving that talk and feeling that you delivered it well? 
honestly, it's more so the networking and meeting more people. I feel you on that. Like I mentioned, there are a bunch of people that I haven't met before, so I'm excited to meet them in person. But I'm also bringing a lot of teammates who are coming from positions where they were never sent to a conference. And so I'm kind of excited to bring teammates there and show them like this is the community that you're in. And it's pretty damn awesome. I agree. And I think it's important if like somebody's going to a conference to like think about the goals that they want too. Do you want to go to X number of talks? Do you want to like see what the flow is? Do you want to go have lunch or sit down at somebody's like an open table and have lunch? Those are the kind of things that I really enjoy is like pushing yourself slightly out of your comfort zone and like making new Ruby friends. Andrea, as we wrap up, I, of course, want to ask you, what are your thoughts on the future of the Ruby and Rails communities? This is a very big question, but to keep it short, I think it's going to be good. I would love to continue to see more diversity in our community. And I think that's something that we can continue to work on and do better. An example here is the groups like WNBRB, which we mentioned previously. Maybe we can link it in the show notes for any women and non-binary Rubyists. Yeah, I would love to see more groups like that. I love that. Andrea, how can the listeners follow you? Sure. So they can go to my website, which is aformera.dev, or they can find me on Twitter at aformera, F-O-M-E-R-A. I think the links will be in the show notes. Thank you. Of course. And then before we absolutely wrap up, I know that you recently, you know, not open source, so I'm curious how you would term it, but your amazing Hotwire course. And so how listeners can get access to that in... Would love the quick story of why you made it available to everybody. Sure. So uh, if you actually go to store.aframera.dev, you can find my Learn Hotwire course, which I recently made free. It's a 43-video course, (laughs) and I recorded it with Rails 6.1, and then Rails 7 came out and changed some of the things. And there's two answers I could give here for why I open-sourced it or made it free. And the first answer is... I was having a really bad mental health day (laughs) and I decided I would make it available for everybody so everybody could benefit from it. And then the second answer is because it was recorded in Rails 6.1 and I was like selling it, I was like, oh, I need to go re-record this course. But when you make a full course from start to finish with an app, it's really hard to re-record pieces of it. So... Out of pure laziness, I just decided I'll just make it free. And then that way, nobody can complain that it was recorded in Rails (laughs) 6.1. And it's so useful. (laughs) It is still useful. I highly agree that. And you know what? I think we all have bad mental health days. And the fact that on a bad day, you decided to make this course free to make other people happy, I think just really shows what kind of person you are. And I am delighted to know you and have you as a friend. Thank you. You've been listening to the Ruby on Rails podcast. Follow us on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, or wherever fine podcasts are downloaded to stay in the loop on Ruby on Rails and open source software. While you're at it, please leave us a review. And thank you for listening.